The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to discuss a really fun episode of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Uh, Mike, why don't you start us off? Stock up, stock down. Joel, great job of just giving me a few more seconds to get that drop re-uploaded. That was some excellent uh, (laughs) awareness of the situation. And we don't even have the cameras up, so you couldn't even see me like doing like in rolling a mad scramble yeah 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 it's, okay. so. it's, it's a vivid picture in my mind so. <laughs> we are we are in sync but uh joel i think one of the best moments from this episode kicked off the show john moxley is back and boy does he look reinvigorated healthy how would you describe it well i, I think you know he just looks more like himself you know yeah. he's Still obviously in great shape, but for a while, you know, before he left, it it just something didn't seem right. And Mm. um, gosh, the promo itself. (laughs) Spectacular. Um, I I thought it was a really cool thing that I mean, this wasn't really part of an angle at all. This wasn't him challenging anybody. Nobody came out after this and said, like, I want Moxley like this really just was his opportunity to come back and make a statement to the fans. And I thought it was great. I really liked that he didn't, you know, shy away from the fact that he's had difficulties and that, you know, dealing with these, as he put it, scars is something that makes him who he is. And uh, I just thought it was a really good message and gosh, delivered with so much charisma. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it too. Cause until the kind of, not until the end, was there ever a reference of, you know, the alcohol, you know? And even then it's like, the only thing I'm drinking now is blood, which is just a badass line in general. But I think it just, you know, they gave him a forum to talk about what he's gone through, what he's feeling. And, you know, for an industry that we've seen a lot of mental health issues derail careers and lives, you know, it was nice to see someone given the moment to just talk about that. And he, we mentioned he, he looks and sounds like what we grew accustomed to when we fell in love with him as Dean Ambrose all those years ago. So um, this was really great. I'm glad he's back. Um, I'm, he's just a big part of AEW too, just from their history. Like his title card said second AEW champion ever. So, and we're kind of, you know, we don't have Kenny Omega right now. We didn't have Jericho for a while. He's back now. So it, it, there seems to be like, a, there's a spot for him, which I think we can use. Um, in a lot of different ways. So it's glad to have him back. Also, the 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 F-bomb to start the show. Uh, didn't expect going from the Big Bang Theory to Moxie saying, "Get uh, what, go fuck yourself within the first yeah. uh, two minutes of the show. And hey, that's an FCC fine that I'm sure Tony Khan is more than okay paying. Because... <laughs> It seems like if you're ever going to say the F-bomb on fucking... I said the F-bomb and then said fucking. If you're ever going to say fuck (laughs) on TV, doing it to a heckler, giving you shit during your return from rehab seems like the way to go. So 
I think it, they might be fined by the network, but the FCC doesn't govern cable. They don't govern cable? No. Cable is its own thing. You can do and say and show whatever you want on cable. It's the networks that have standards, and a lot of that comes back to their advertisers. Uh, like I'll never forget watching um, a late night comedy routine on Comedy Central, and uh, it cut to a shot of the crowd, and there was a woman flashing the comedian on stage, and they showed it, and it was uncensored, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" because it was just straight up on Comedy Central. And I went down a little rabbit hole of learning about, you know, the FCC and censorship and what it governs. So they might get fined by the network, but, you know, it just depends. Like if TNT is happy with them, they might be like, okay, whatever. So the FCC will let them be? Yes. Yes, they will. <laughs> um, but not the the real Slim Shady. He has to sit down. <laughs> um, so, uh, damn. Okay. Uh Joel, what do you want to see John Moxley do going forward? Because they didn't this didn't like you said this wasn't an angle, didn't set anything up. Um, if you're fantasy booking, where, what would you like to see him do here? I mean, here now throughout pro wrestling and, and the time that I've been watching, there have always been performers who don't need to be in a title picture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key for me. I don't really care what he does. I'm going to be interested in anything that he's doing simply because he's doing it. He's got a charisma and a cachet with the fans that brings an energy to all of his matches and promos. And, you know, I on record to say I'm not a big fan of his style of wrestling. Like it doesn't do all that much for me, but I'm so bought into the character that it doesn't really matter. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be interested in whatever he's doing, but I, I think the titles are better served with other people right now. Um, I, I like where we're at with the, uh, the different champions that we have. And I think that there are a lot of challengers out there who uh, haven't had the belt and uh, that we need to kind of spread things around. Adam Page, I would like to see go on a nice long run. Uh, the TNT Championship needs to change hands a bunch, you know, to, to kind of get some of these young up-and-coming talents, uh, the reps, carrying a title for the company. So, um, you know, I, I think that's where he's at and, and what's going to serve him well. You know, he's, he does all of these indie shows and hardcore matches and different stuff, and it's never around a title, and it's always compelling anyway. So I, I think mm -hmm. that's the key, is when you don't need a prop for somebody to get over, don't waste one of the props that you have on someone who doesn't need it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we were supposed to get at Full Gear was Moxley Danielson in the finals of the Eliminator Tournament. And that seems like a fun place if you want to go to, because they both like they both don't need the belt. You can do fascinating stuff with Moxley and Danielson. We haven't seen them together in a while. And Danielson, his comeback might have been right when Moxley was out the door. I don't know how often if they overlapped that much, but um, there's definitely something that they could do there. Um, and I think there's just more like. Moxie has always been a fan favorite, but there's definitely a, a more human element now, especially in that we know what he's gone through. Well, we don't actually know, but we know that he had to get help. We know that he went through some personal stuff. So um, you could easily have a heel Danielson versus the returning Moxley and do some really compelling stuff. Um, you know, you could obviously slide him back in there with Kingston, you know, potentially in this feud with 
Jericho and what's going on with Santana Ortiz and I don't know, maybe a, something with MJF down the line. There's a lot you can do without him in the title f- picture. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about that situation later on because um, mm-hmm. I definitely want to get into the uh, Jericho and Kingston stuff. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities for Moxley. Uh, CM Punk and Moxley is something that I'm really interested in once um, Punk kind of finishes up this program with MJF. Yeah. I think that would be a good place to go or MJF and Moxley for that matter. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting contrast. Somebody who's very rough around the edges compared with somebody who is really like polished and put together. And that's like very much a part of his persona. So I think that would be a really interesting contrast to see in and out of the ring. For sure. For sure. All right, Joel, why don't we move on to our next topic? And uh, I guess this is just the night of promos because Cody had his own pipe bomb tonight. This was wild. What? Why don't you give us kind of a brief summary of what was said and, and kind of your thoughts on uh, what he did? Yeah, here. so we we had, you know, Cody, who's kind of a mixed bag in, in terms of fan reaction right now. There's still your your diehard Cody fans. And then there are the people who have bought into like, it's fun to boo Cody. So we're going to boo Cody because it's, it's the thing to do. Uh, a bit of a like wrestling hipster sort of move, if you ask mm-hmm. me. Um, and not that there aren't legitimate reasons, but anyway, um, so he comes out, he gets his mixed reaction and he says, you know, to the crowd, like there are people in the back who told me to save this promo, but you know, who knows how long I'm going to be around. So I'm just going to (laughs) go ahead and say it. And then basically proceeds to say like, um, here are all these things that CM Punk said he was going to do. And he didn't do any of those things. But guess what? I did. <laughs> I went out. I created the forbidden door. I kicked it down. Like, And it, there's really a lot of truth to that. You know, his whole barnstorming tour that he went on wrestling oh, yeah. for any and every promotion around the U.S. and around the world uh, really changed, I think. And I'll speak for myself. Like, it got me more plugged into paying attention to the indies and indie wrestlers and raised a lot of profiles of different people and uh without a doubt led to people having the idea that aew was even a possibility uh and and, you know i know tony khan tells a different story about how like he's been planning this for a really long time but you can't tell me that cody saying challenge accepted to uh Meltzer and deciding to promote a show with the bucks in Chicago didn't directly lead to AEW, And I think this promo was kind of a reminder of, Hey, all of you sitting in the stands watching this product that you ostensibly love. This is here because of me. <laughs> I did this. And also mixing in the, I won't turn heel because when I needed you most, you were there for me kind of sentiment with the crowd. I mean, I it was really cool to see or I should say to hear the crowd kind of change positions as he got Mm -hmm. deeper and deeper into this promo, like where the crowd felt solidly against him and booing him and even making it difficult for him to get into the promo to begin with. And then by the end of it, like everybody's bought in and everybody's like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I can't deny anything he's saying. And yet he's still being heelish. It's Mm -hmm. brilliant. Yeah, it's it's the real life version of, oh, he has a point. <laughs> like, the, the, Joel, what two heels do? They, they tell, tell the, the truth. truth. And everything Cody said in this promo was true. 
every little thing. And, you know, we talk about, you talk, you mentioned how his world tour, his indie tour to help, you know, kind of connect you to what was out there. I'll never forget best in the world, 2017, Cody Crystal Daniels for the ring of honor championship. Him and the young bucks instantly turned me into a ring of honor fan that day. Like, I started watching Ring of Honor whenever I could. I've been to every Lowell Ring of Honor show since that one. So, um, yeah, we would not be here without Cody. And for him to do this promo and basically saying fuck you to the crowd without saying fuck you, um, I thought was just wonderful. And then I I love the shots he made. Talking about how, like, I was gone for two weeks and the Wednesday Night Wars are back. Um, Talking about how Red Dragon's basically developmental. He called Walter's new name Gunner McGillicuddy, <laughs> which was really funny. Um, yeah. it, it was it was just really, really good. And oh, and then the Brody King, Brody Lee, and how Brody Lee Jr. is gonna come kick his ass in eight years. There was just a lot of fun here. And him basically saying, like, yeah, you know, people don't think the TNT title is worth as much. I disagree. He says that a ton of times. Um, and we're gonna get a ladder match between him and Sammy Guevara to reunite the championship. I, everything in this promo was a win. And the thing that I keep forgetting is, holy shit, this match next week is going to be amazing. Like, yeah. And well, we don't get thing. a lot of one-on-one ladder matches anymore either. Like, that's They're true. usually multi-man. So there is a real creative element when it's just two people. And some of my like memory, like the Undertaker, Jeff Hardy, one-on-one ladder match, from like 2004, 2005, that shit still sticks in my head. So I think this can be really special because the two guys in this match are they're amazing. My favorite styles of ladder match are two tag teams or two individuals. Like the multi-man stuff is mm-hmm. fun. It's always a chaotic spot fest. Yep. And I do enjoy that. But from a psychology and like pure wrestling standpoint, the tag team ladder match and the one-on-one ladder match just lead to so many interesting places and like good psychology is really my favorite thing in pro wrestling. I like athletic wrestling. It Mm -hmm. gets me really excited, but I never get as drawn in as I do with like a Jonathan Gresham pure rules match where it's like, okay, how many rope breaks do you have left before it's open season and (laughs) like stuff like that. And and it forces the performers to come up with more creative ways to tell the story and move things forward. And I think that's what we're going to get here. Uh, Cody should be leading this match in terms of calling the spots and uh, coming up with it, because I I think this is an opportunity for some growth for Sammy Guevara in you know, being able to learn from somebody who's got a lot of experience. And Mm -hmm. we've seen Cody in ladder matches previously, both in um, on the indies and in uh, WWE. So this is going to be really, really good. And the only bummer to me is that it's going to have commercial breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I guess they could put it on first, you know, and do the long opening segment that they've done sometimes and have it without any kind of commercials. But uh, I would much prefer to have this match on a pay-per-view. I mean, 
I just can't wait for people to bitch about how the big title matches up at the start of the show. <laughs> We've talked yeah, about how AEW's like, that's new signature important. tactic yeah. that makes so much sense. Yeah. Go ahead. Complain about it. Complain about this thing that makes the show better. <laughs> hey, man, remember, remember when Lesnar and Rollins opened up WrestleMania? Like, that was a great way to kick off the show. Like, it was awesome. So, uh, or the the gauntlet match that oh. Seth Rollins was in for like an hour and twenty minutes to start Raw. Like that was one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. of Raw of the last ten years, simply because yep. that match was so freaking good. Yeah, that was oh god. When wrestling's great, man, <laughs> it's great. Um, all right, Joel, why don't we move on? This is the last thing I kind of want to talk about in stock up, stock down, and it's kind of a stock down. Our main event had Sting and Darby Allen versus the uh, the acclaimed. And when you usually see in the tag team, like one partner gets hurt and then one partner has to carry the team, it's usually the better worker who isn't hurt. <laughs> um, or the I not say better worker, but the, like just the one who can like carry a match. They did the opposite. They had 62-year-old Sting work the majority of this match with the acclaimed. And I guess I'm giving it a stock down because I feel like that's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like Sting basically fought off the acclaimed for 10 minutes on his own until Darby Allen did that dive off the stage that looked like a fucking rocket launcher. Joel, what'd you think of this match? So, I mean, this is a stock up for me. I, I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoy the acclaimed. The only thing, the only thing that would have made it better is if the acclaimed would have gone over because like, we didn't talk about this uh, last week, but the Acclaimed's music video from from last week of, of AEW was so freaking hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Anthony Bowens doing a coffin drop into the snow and then the camera pans and he's making a snow angel and the repeated like uh, Razor scooter instead of a skateboard, like... The whole thing just has me cracking up so much. And uh, it's my favorite thing that the acclaimed has done so far. Uh, These two are so talented in the ring and uh, their characters are really starting to come together. It's been a hot minute since I've, there's been something really, truly cringeworthy in one of Max Caster's raps. So uh, I I wish they would have gone over, but I really enjoyed this match and I thought Sting looked great. Oh, he I looked great. He, he absolutely held his own. And I thought it was a cool kind of reversal of expectations of you're absolutely right. Typically, it's the more lightweight competitor who, you know, the hand, if you will, who works the longer portion of the match. And then, you know, the heater comes back at the end to make the save. Interesting to see the heater having to carry the weight. And the hand, you know, being removed from the situation. So I thought that was cool. Um, and at this stage, I'm kind of more into Sting than I am into Darby. So uh, I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. I, I just liked, I, I'm always down for Max Caster's rep. What he, he dropped a line about like, what is it, self-mutilation? Kind of poking fun of that WWE statement about mm-hmm. the women's tag from a few weeks ago. So yep. that, that's what you got to do, dude. Just don't punch down punch up and just do do your thing so yeah I, two grown men and they're going through a goth phase was just <laughs> i loved that entire music video i thought it was hilarious um josh question are 
to uh, the Josh, acclaimed win. Huh? Sorry, Joel. I I had Josh's. I, a reason that I, I didn't know you were ready at noon is because I then switched to my phone on my computer, and that doesn't always send messages right away. So I had mm. Josh's message just coming through. So that's why I'm sorry, Josh. I mean, I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> um, anywho, jo- Joel. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Joel. Um, that is your name. True or false? The acclaimed win the tag team championships in 2022. Oh, man, that's so tough. I mean, it, it feels like Santana and Ortiz need to get a hold of the championships. Mm-hmm. Um, Santana has been talking both on and off of AEW television about how 2022 is going to be his year and that. You know, he's not going to make any more excuses and just go after what he wants. And I think they need to get the titles. We know titles don't change all that often in AEW. And I think the line is pretty long. Um, I'd like to see them win the titles this year. I don't think it happens, though. I think next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they get that signature, you know, kind of non-title feud that we've seen some teams go through. Get, get kind of that big pay-per-view match out of it too. And then maybe we'll see it fall 2022 into 2023, but they're definitely a team that I hope, like you said, hope gets it. So, all right, Joel, well, why don't we move on to lightning rounds? Um, Let's do it. Lightning round. What do you got for me, buddy? I, I really enjoyed the uh, Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander match. Uh, I especially enjoyed uh, Adam Cole's angry face after <laughs> Britt got put through the table. Um, he just looked legitimately pissed off and, uh, you know, so over the top with his facial expressions. And, you know, obviously Orange Cassidy felt bad. That was clear, you know, classic baby face like, oh, no, I didn't mean to do that. Um, and then Cole's promo backstage later on where he's still furious two segments later and uh decides that he's going to end orange cassidy's career in a you know no rules match lights out unsanctioned haven't had one of those since thunder rosa and Britt baker so um it's been a nice uh kind of match that AEW has done i think four times since the the start of the company so um this will be the fifth and uh yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it yeah they uh they, they make the lights out match feel special because it's not used very often it's kind of a blood feud it's kind of their answer to like hell in a cell if, you, if your feud is that nasty and ugly you get a lights out match at some point um yeah this match was fun um i i <laughs> Adam, you know how you they say like if you stand next to Randy Orton and you look, you know, you look good, then you pass the test and you can be in WWE. Cole was like the smallest person, looked like the smallest person in this match, and I know he isn't, but it might just because Chris Statlander is really tall. Britt Baker was kind of like face to face with him, and maybe it's just because Adam Cole isn't like a physical freak, but it just really stood out in this match to me. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's definitely been um, probably a challenge for him and and why he's such a good 
character performer because he has to be, you know, he's, he's a small human for a pro wrestler. And, uh, uh, yeah, he, I think he might have been the shortest person uh, in the match. I'm not sure whether he is taller than Brit or not, but um, but yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Yeah, I also think he would look better if he wore pants. Like I, I'm you always think team everyone pants. Would be better I think if everyone looks pants. better team pants, but he just look. I don't know. He just and then and then someone posted a picture on Twitter of like ripped Michael Cole, Michael Cole, and I'm just like they are. Damn, because ripped Michael Cole looks weird. Um, but yeah, that that's my thoughts on this. Sorry to short shame you, Adam. You're awesome. Keep it up. Oh, oh, Cassidy kicking out of the 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 the, the destroyer. That was weird. <laughs> like, I, I just that seemed like a, a a move they would protect here a little more. But I was reading that apparently people kicked out of that all the time in NXT. So it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. The Panama sunrise seldom gets a pinfall. Yeah. So I'm going to go to my next item in lightning round, my first item in lightning rounds. And that's Santana basically being like, you know what? Maybe Eddie Kingston's right. Um, I love this. That was awesome. And we've talked before about how good Santana is on the mic. And like, he only said a few sentences, but it just, it, it made it feel real. There was, it's just the tension was there. And <laughs> I always joke that team Taz always fucking loses, but unless you're Jericho, you pretty much always fucking lose if you're in the inner circle as well. So, you know, Hey, this gives us something. And we are both big, big Santana or Ortiz fans. And this was really cool. And Jericho kind of looking sad, angry, pissed. Like it was great. I really actually, uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Ah! I I really appreciated Jericho almost sandbagging the past couple of weeks. Like he had his promo exchange with Kingston and I do think he was intentionally bad in his, you know, his comments towards Kingston. And then again, him just looking like a sad loser with when all of his friends walked away. And I think it's really good work. And um, I'm interested to see where that goes in particular. Uh, but I got to give props to him because, you know, we we critique when it's appropriate and we give praise mm-hmm. when it's appropriate. And I think Jericho deserves it. I, I've really enjoyed this kind of hangdog um droopy from guadalupe um (laughs) persona yeah it's been great joel what do you have for me uh i'm actually gonna stick with santana and go outside of AEW here a little bit uh for anyone out there who watched terminus you were treated to an awesome promo from santana after the main event in which he came out and challenged Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor World Championship. So they're going to face off at Terminus 2 in February uh, in a pure rules match. And uh, Santana is someone who is criminally underrated in terms of his in-ring ability, and in particular, his technique. So I'm super excited to see him wrestle Gresham, because if you want to see the absolute limit of somebody's technical prowess you put them in the ring with Gresham because he will bring it out of them. And uh, I'm just really excited to see this match. Uh, Terminus in general was great. Uh, everyone should go watch it. Um, it was only 15 bucks for the pay-per-view. Um, so 
that's an, a great price point and something that I will be happy to pay to continue watching. Um, and uh, yeah, gotta gotta give a shout out to Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, it's I have to watch that. I need to. I have I have your login, so I'll try and check it out soon. Um, Joel, one of my highlights this week was Trent being nice to Brandon Cutler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it's it's like when you see those videos of like dogs that have been on the streets or in shelters and like you put your hand up and they flinch. That's what Brandon Cutler is like. And he didn't really know how to process just someone being nice to him. <laughs> and I, I hope the whole plan here is for Cutler to eventually realize his own self-worth and and kiss the elite goodbye. But yeah, that segment was great. And we get to see uh Oh God, Rapungi. <laughs> yes, Rapungi right? Vice. Yeah. There we go, Rapungi Vice. We get to see them reunite this week, which should be fun. And I'm I really liked how they were able to get clips from NJPW to kind of show their rivalry with the Young Bucks over the years. I remember watching some of those matches with you um, post afterwards, and they're just really good. So hopefully, they give them some time and let them tear the house down. Yeah, this could be, could be really fun great history between these teams. I loved the package that they ran and mm-hmm. it was especially cool seeing new Japan footage. Uh, it's clear that this relationship between new Japan and AEW is, is pretty healthy at this point, which is good because like there was initially a lot of animosity uh, because of Kenny Omega leaving NJPW to go to AEW. And I, I think it's nice that that seems to have passed and that you know, there's more opportunities for this talent exchange moving forward. And uh, I would really love to see AEW become um, one of their uh, pilgrimage promotions where they send um, graduates of the dojo to do their one year abroad before they come back to New Japan and get a new character. Uh, I think that would be really cool and a great way to like get some fresh faces in AEW um, without you know, contributing long-term to roster glut. So I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, excursion. That's what it's called. Not pilgrimage excursion. <laughs> I knew that was the wrong word, but I couldn't think of it. Pilgrimage works. It works. Uh, Joel, you got, you got something else for me? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the, uh, sky blue and Serena deep match. Um, uh, they're really doing a lot to put over Serena as a, vicious and sadistic heel and uh i predicted that we were going to see a lot more of her in 2022 and i think that's yeah. coming to pass and i'm really excited <laughs> about it yeah we've that's been quite a bit and i i want to see her get into a uh a feud with some sort of like you know mid to upper tier baby face while she has gone give her another you know notch on the belt to uh until we get that rematch so yeah. We, you know, we, we've got this uh, Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander and mm-hmm. Red Velvet kerfuffle going on. And maybe whoever comes out of that on top uh, can, you know, step up to Serena Deeb and have a nice little program. Yeah. Um, what do you, you think about this? I I can't. There's just the God. Lay, Layla and Red Velvet are still and even Chris Statlander to an extent are still not great when it comes to the, the the promo work and this was a backstage segment. So I kind of hoped it would be better. It just felt really scripted. Stiff. Yeah. Stiff and scripted. 
Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more, but I think the only way that happens is if they get more reps. So like, mm-hmm. while it's not great, it's something that we need to get through so that they yeah. can get better. Like, remember, I mean, I've talked about how much Jungle Boy has improved on the mic and, uh, you know, he's still not great, but you got to go through that phase of things yeah. being borderline painful to <laughs> yeah. get the experience to improve. So I think it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's stilted. It's not excellent line deliveries, uh, but I still think they're telling a good story. And, and, and um, yeah. And I think the fact that it's, it's not a complicated story. It's, Hey, mm-hmm. you're distracted and you've cost me wins. That's a real easy story to tell. Like you're not doing Adam page, John Moxley level stuff here. It's, it's, it's straightforward. So get through it. And really we want to get to the match. You know, if it is one-on-one matches or it's it's some sort of triple threat type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get there. I felt the same way about the Anna J. Jade Cargill promo backstage, too. Um, at least with Jade, she has like a, a tagline that she can always get to, which I think gives her kind of a focus of her her promo. The Anna J. Though, side of it, though, was, I just thought that was really painful. Like, just just get me to the match. Yeah, I mean, again, she needs reps. Mm-hmm. She needs to have more time on the mic so that she can improve. And it's it's going to be a growth process. And I think there's a lot of that because you have a lot of young mm-hmm. talent. And also, even some of the talent that's been around longer, if you're working on the indies, you're not necessarily cutting promos. You know, it's yeah. not the same kind of um, build up to events. So the ring work can be there before the ability to talk on the mic and and this mm-hmm. is you know one of those things that has to be developed uh, i think it's a really good thing that these segments are happening even if they're not fantastic so yeah. it, it, it probably hit more like i noticed it more tonight just because we had two incredible promos on the show you know to between moxley's and cody's promos like just it, it just the the gap was so so apparent but in terms of what these feuds and stories are building to, like, I'm really excited about these matches. Like I think Anna JJ Cargill, like that's a perfect first title defense for Jade and this Statlander, uh, red velvet and, and her story. It's a story outside of the belt. <laughs> so whatever, give me it. I'm fine. But yeah, you're right. They, we just have to get through it and they need the reps. So it makes sense. All right. Um, I'm not, seeing too awful much else um, yeah i got a, i got a few things i could touch on real quick i was surprised kazarian had such a long match with lance archer it felt like he was this was going to be a squash but that was a surprisingly fun and back and forth match between these two well that's who kaz is at this point you know he's the guy you put out there to have a really good match with somebody as a warm-up for you know a bigger feud it's like um in NXT, um, there was that uh, that guy that everybody faced off with um, oh, and oh. would have a really good match. There were a couple of them. Fabian Eichner mm-hmm. was one of them. Yep. Uh, and it was like, oh, if you're having a match with Fabian Eichner, you're on your way to the big time. Um, and then um, I can't think of the other guy's name. Uh, but yeah, and it feels like that's kind of the role that Kazarian is playing. He's a great worker. Um, kind of winding down the last years of his in-ring career 
And uh, yeah, I thought it was a good match. And I'm always excited to see Kazarian. I've, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another oh, thing. We did I'll... get an Ethan Page promo. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Always yeah. like well, Ethan Page. He's, he's going to face Moxie this Friday. So enjoy your L, dude. <laughs> like you're done um yeah uh one other uh, two other things actually um the house of black uh match with the varsity blondes obviously wasn't meant to be competitive but i really like the presentation of malachi and brody king um plus the pack promo video package afterwards was fucking sick like Mm -hmm. they're doing remember when pack had to do those like that two months worth of video packages when he was trapped in the UK early yeah. on in the pandemic. It feels like that level pack stuff right now, which is just mm-hmm. super fun. Um, glad that that's happening. And then um, one I more thing on the house of I, black varsity blonde stuff. I really enjoy Brian Pillman having the yips. Yes. You mentioned like, that you I, want people who have matches with black to be affected by it. And that's a perfect example. It was great. Sorry, go on. Oh, I'm done. Wow. We, we done done? I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I don't really have Wait, you don't much want to of talk anything about how else. The HFO is now the AHFO. <laughs> I mean, I did really like... Um, I, I'm really enjoying this character from Andrade, but we talked about it last week. It's been more of the same. It's still really good. Uh, I like that he's still trying to hire that little kid who works for Mr. Sting. Um, it cracks me up t-shirt. every time. I want that on a t-shirt, that little kid who works for Sting. Mr. Sting. <laughs> Mr. Sting. Mr. Sting. Yeah, I, I don't know where it's going, but, you know, whatever. You're now the AHFO. I do love that this corporation that uh, Matt Hardy has, the corporate structure is just as confusing as any corporation I've ever worked at. <laughs> like like who the fuck is in charge well so what's interesting here is he gave up controlling stake so inevitably this is going to lead to him being screwed over by andrade still has the board members man he has three votes to two well yeah but his votes only add up to 49 (laughs) percent it doesn't matter how many votes there are what matters is the stake in the company anyway uh, it's going to inevitably lead to Matt getting screwed over. And uh, I, I think it'd be interesting to see like the, um, the uh, private party siding with Andrade and then Matt Hardy and the butcher and the blade facing off, you know, three on three or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's all, there's the rumors of Jeff coming to AEW. So it'd be interesting to see if he factors in here at all. Um, I could see that you know a rift forming between Andrade yeah. and and Matt, or Jeff showing up and trying to talk some sense into him, and then you know we get a triple threat of Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Andrade with the kind of uneasy alliance between different members of the group. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, I I I started that whole point of kind of making fun of it but it ended up like i'm like man i actually kind of like how they're doing this now so uh, it shows how easily i can be swayed (laughs) i mean there's not much to talk about with it right now you know it's it's silliness but it's silliness that could potentially develop into something really good and i think one of the reasons why this i thought this was an excellent episode overall and one of the reasons for that is there were so many different flavors represented Mm -hmm. 
And um, this was truly like a something for everyone kind of episode of Dynamite. And I think that's when AEW is at its best is when it's truly providing the pro wrestling buffet. Mm -hmm. And we're still far enough from the pay-per-view that, you know, we're not like, okay, we're just waiting for the title match between these guys. You know, we got what, six weeks until full, uh, until revolution, maybe longer. I don't even know, but it, it's, it's, it's a while. It's the first so. weekend of March, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, so, I think about six weeks. Yeah, six weeks. So there's not really a build right now. So we can just kind of enjoy the show. Um, some of these stories will probably be wrapped up before we start the build. Like, I don't believe that Paige Archer is going to be a pay-per-view headlining match. But that's a hell of an early February dynamite if you want to do that. Like, yeah. So, and then we set up the next contender. So, yeah. I. I I'm in a good spot. I've really enjoyed this one too. It's, I think it was one of the more complete episodes in a while. Like you said, there was a little bit of everything, good match work, good story development, great promos. So yeah, fun. All right. I think, I think we can, uh, we can tap out now, Joel. I think we literally touched on everything. Um, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at the other wrestling show and Joel at the other Joel and me at Michael underscore Amanda. You can find the podcast on TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever but you get your podcasts. We're most likely there. Give us a like, give us a follow. Uh, you can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. And Joel, anything uh, to say before I apparently have a quick chat with my boss? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. And my outro template is not working. <laughs> Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.